podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bart, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Yes, hello there. Welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast with me, Chris. Him, Richard. Hello. And that guy, Tom. Hi there. For episode 15, the Rowett Revolution continues at Derby County. Uh, the Rams stay second with their seventh away league win of the season. We'll look back on the triumph in the second city against Birmingham this weekend and we're going to look forward to Derby's crunch game against Bristol City this coming Friday in what could be a massive game for their promotion hopes and a few other bits and bobs as well but before we get to all that as usual you know what's coming you two 7-4 in Who Ram I mm, it's tight I think this, this could be a turning point in the season for one of you this is a big big moment I think are you both mentally and physically prepared Tom's been doing his lunges I have yes stretching out well so this is the game where Tom and Richard have to guess the identity of a former Derby County player from yesteryear based on my clues. The first of which is the following. I played 59 times for Derby County between 1995 and 1998. How many times? 59? 59. It's a real blast from the past, this one. This is the oldest. 98. This is the oldest one we've done, I think. I think it is, yeah, by some distance. Yeah. Well, there's lots of great, great names, friends of mind. Yeah, lots of great names. This is Jim Smith season so so we're all well and truly recovered now from our trip to Birmingham yesterday where Derby triumphed 3-0 with goals from Johnny Russell Matej Vidra and Andreas Weiman uh, we're sharing the goals around a bit now Tom aren't we obviously the squad players are all coming into their own Russell's goal a little bit fortunate do you think I've watched it five or six times and I can't work it out whether it's got a deflection but it's great to see the goals coming from all over the place and we created so many chances like Hodgson could have scored like uh, Nugent had a good chance as well like we could have had five or six goals from five or six different goal scorers yesterday you're right you said you had your excited hat on in our last episode RE our promotion chances is it still firmly wedged on your head the excited hat is there and it's got bells on it wow (laughs) you've added paraphernalia to it now I think yesterday it was an excited flat cap wasn't it it was yeah (laughs) it was very excited a bit more northern than that Coach Coach, Coach, have you got a similar size similar size headwear on Uh, yes mine is actually bells normally it's a a black Santa hat Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's not the season no longer so uh, I'll be cracking it out next year again Um, on the Johnny Russell thing it's funny it was obviously it was a great run from Russell it definitely was some kind of deflection but it's not obvious where it it happened but then um, so it was a really good goal actually but then about five minutes later he was set up with I think an easier chance he managed to blast it over the bar uh, from about 12 yards out and uh, I think we all said that's the Johnny Russell we know and love (laughs) well you say that but I think overall He's looked a man transformed in the last few games. He was he had their right back or their left back, sorry, absolutely on toast at times. It seemed, yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and it seemed like uh, Rout had found a way to actually isolate their left back quite often. Russell Russell had a lot of one on ones with him, and he, yeah. as you said, he was beating him almost every time, getting to the byline or, or, or going inside. He's he's definitely full of confidence, and I think 
him and Byman are, are both massive confidence players, and yeah. you know, over this last month or so, they've both been putting a few goals in. We've um, we talked about the Russell thing well, numerous times over the last um, sort of fourteen episodes or so, um, and we've said confidence for Russell. If he's got it, he's a, he's an excellent player. If he hasn't, he looks terrible. And at the moment, he's got it in buckets. So really pleased for him. Thought he was excellent yesterday. It's interesting that Russell and Lawrence on the other side sort of give, have different attributes that they offer the team, don't they? Because Russell was steaming past you know the fullback uh, time and again yesterday, whereas Lawrence. Uh, didn't didn't have as noticeably as good a game, but he still yeah. he pulled out a few moments of real quality, didn't he? Sunday, so. De- definitely, I said to you at half time, thought Russell had been uh, sorry, Lawrence had been poor. He didn't really look like he was creating anything, and then for the first fifteen to twenty minutes of the second half, the, he was absolute quality, best I've seen him. Um, the lob over the the fullback where he brought the ball down. There's a couple of chip crosses in where he had like, basically no back lift and no no right to get the ball in there. Were incredible. One which uh, set up a, an overhead kick from from Vidra just before obviously Curtis Davis's amazing overhead kick but how he got that cross in I've got no idea so excellent second half from Lawrence and long may it continue for the rest of the season now coach the the first goal while well, that may have had a, a hint of luck about it there was nothing lucky about uh, what happened when uh, when Vidra got put clean through for number two was it no he absolutely smashed it I mean that is uh, the way he finished that that second goal just showed you how full of confidence he is as well you know to really put your foot through it on the half volley past the goalkeeper it was just brilliant the way he you know, he showed his pace to get in behind as Gary Rowett said in his post-match comments no one was going to catch him once he once he got behind yeah. and then the first touch was brilliant and yeah, just, just absolutely nailed it into the roof of the net what, Tom what word would you use to describe the way that he dispatched that goal I'll start with uh, bludgeoned <laughs> bludgeoned is a good one <laughs> emphatic I just say I would just say striker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> walloped, <laughs> he thwacked, battered, <laughs> thundered it into the roof of the net. So yeah, it that was wrong um... foot as well, which was the interesting thing. Like he he took it and he, it seemed like the natural thing would have been hit slightly earlier, but he realised it wasn't set up, and if he had have hit it, he might have been off balance. And he waited with perf- perfect poise himself, and then actually walloped, thwacked emphatically dispatched or whatever you want to say the thing is the thing about Vidra is I don't actually know now if he's right or left footed Mm. and that's a problem that other defenders seem to have with him you think of the best goals he scored this Mm. season so say like the ones on his left foot the one against Middlesbrough the one against Forest the one yesterday those were on his left foot then on his right foot you know the the two against Hull earlier in the season the one against Barnsley was on his right I think and I'm sure there's others that we've missed out as well. Like, and it seems that defenders have that problem, don't they, coach? Where they don't know which foot to sort of show him onto. And yeah, that's, that's how he causes so many problems. And it means he can go either way. You know, when he's thrown goal, he can go either side. No, he's just full of confidence, and he's you know, Gary Rout's obviously getting the best out of him. It, it seems to me like there's lots of great things about Rout and what he's doing, but he definitely seems like he's a good man manager. Yeah, there's lots of players he's getting a lot out of at the moment. He's so obviously a confident striker, isn't he? Tom? Yeah. he can visibly see when he misses a chance or misplaces a pass that he really beats himself up doesn't he yeah and it's great to see him sort of smiling and uh, and banging the goals in when he scored that goal yesterday he sort of celebrated this massive smile on the face like pointing to the away fans and you were like this this is a guy who's loving playing football at the moment he's really having a good season and he looks like um, I remember when he was at Watford and he was he was so good he scored 20 odd goals in the championship to send help send them up um, he was devastating that year and he looks like that sort of player for the first time in a derby shirt this season so it's great we're well and truly getting our money's worth now aren't we coach 15 league goals this season 16 in all competitions and three and assists he's, and he's been involved in the most goals out of any player in the league oh absolutely I mean he's obviously he's a quality player when we signed him I think we all knew he was a quality player but 
previous managers haven't quite known how to fit him in or you know Rowett's just made the choice he's going to build a team around him I think it's fair to say the team has been built around Vidra to get the mm. best out of Vidra or certainly those players in the core of a team you think Huddleston as well Keogh, Davis yeah and everything is suit the way we're playing suits him and our this different strike partners and the wingers seem to they all seem to work well together definitely getting the money's worth no one's quite figured out with Vidra that little drop of the shoulder that he does have they we saw him do it a couple <laughs> yeah. of times yesterday where he gets the ball facing away from goal and he literally drops the shoulder and goes the other way in like the blink of an eye and defenders haven't really figured out how to deal with that yet, have they? That's exactly how he scored against Forest earlier yeah. in the season. He's he's very quick and he's very light on his feet and Rowett has been building that confidence since the beginning of the season when he, he said that he thinks that Vidra is the best number 10 in the league and I, I I can't disagree with that at the moment. When Rowett first said that he wasn't showing that sort of form um, but he's, keep, he's obviously kept telling him and, and get, put that arm around his shoulder um, and now Vidra's without doubt one of the best strikers and certainly the best number 10 in the league at the moment all credit to him the third goal some great contributions from a goal made by the, the, the squad players really mm. a great little ball into Chris Martin such a clever little flick around the corner wasn't it for Brilliant, Nugent yeah. and then Nugent just cheekily sort of put it one side of the defender ran around the other side could have smashed it across goal then but just had the, the, the vision to just square it to Vyman for a tap-in. Yeah, and it was really unselfish of Nugent because you're right, he could have easily, he would have yeah. been within his rights to have a pop at goal himself for a tuna-l up, probably game over anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was nice for Vyman, you know, again, even more so than Vidra, I think a real confidence player to get a, you know another tap-in, give his confidence to the world of, in the world of good and you could see how much that goal meant to him obviously being against Birmingham as an ex-Villa player he really for a, for, a, for a third yeah. goal he was lapping it up wasn't he yeah for a third goal that probably didn't mean that much in the context of the game he really he really well, he first of all put his back to the City fan to show them, <laughs> show them his, his name and then he came over to us and he was I think if Vidra's uh, smile was 8 out of 10 I think Byman's was a 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 or 11 yeah well we'll see where we go from here um, so Derby as we say sits second in the championship after 27 games we've talked numerous times on this podcast before about how Derby are sort of allergic to January and February <laughs> in previous seasons uh, that has been a real problem area in the past two years so last season and the season before Derby played 10 games in January and February in total so 20 games in total in January and February in the past two seasons have a guess how many they won out of those 20 games four Three, it is four. Yeah. Oh, so last so season, outrageous. last season, Derby out of the ten games they played in January and February, they won two, drew two, and lost six. Eight oh. points out of thirty, abysmal. Yeah. The season before, fifteen sixteen, uh, they won two, drew three, and lost five. So nine points out of thirty, absolutely atrocious. Um, so it's clearly a problem area. But coach, you noticed you picked up on something that Rowett said after Man United. Yeah. Clearly the management and the team and everyone is aware that this is a problem part of the season for us and for a lot of teams to be fair but you notice as something that Rowett said after the Man United game yeah, which gives us a little bit more faith that this season might be different well he seems to have a plan um, he, he's definitely a thinking manager he's obviously been planning it out I'm not saying other managers don't plan the seasons of course they do but after the Man United game in, in the Rams TV interview he said uh, we've now got a period where we only play at weekends for three or four weeks uh, it's it's important we're ready now we get a couple of days off some of the players will get three days to get over this heavy period and then we're on it we'll kick on and work incredibly hard for the next month and hopefully that will see us through physically to the end of the season so what he's really saying there from what I can tell is the plan is to really flog them uh, in January make them work hard on the training ground because they haven't got as many games as, as they did over December and that should set them up uh, for the rest of the season what I was 
I think that's a good idea. I mean, we're not strength, we're not strength and conditioning experts, obviously, but it sounds it sounds like a good idea. What I was concerned about and what I was looking out for yesterday was if that would mean that they're a bit leggy during January if they're working too hard on the training ground. But I mean, that's a danger, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, you want them to be in peak physical condition and to work hard in any team, which is what Rowett has said we should be doing yeah. in any game. But there's a danger, isn't it, Tom, that you can sort of overwork the players and we could we could burn out with 10 games to go is that a, is that a worry with what Rowett's just said there um, I guess it, of course it's got to be a worry um, he's basically using this relatively light period of, of lack of games um, to have a sort of smaller pre-season the one thing Crutch said there maybe looking for legginess like, you know, I noticed that Vidra and Lawrence both looked quite tired with about 20-25 minutes to go but we replaced them well with, with Martin and Nugent which just highlights the, the strength of the squad both of those were directly uh, involved in the third goal so if Vidra wasn't to be fit for Friday, for example, I'm not saying he's he's not fit, but if he wasn't, I would have confidence in a win or a Martin or Nugent stepping up to replace um, replace that that player. We've got enough depth to flog those players. That's a key point to make, isn't it? Because we've spoken to a chap from the Bristol Post about yeah. Bristol City, which we'll get onto in the second part. But he mentioned that Bristol City are starting to feel the effects of injuries yeah. and lack of squad depth at this stage. And it's no coincidence that they've lost their last five games because of that. Whereas we were able to put the players on yesterday, 20 minutes to go, to kill the game off. So it's at this point in the season the squad depth could really come to come into its own, isn't it, Coach? Yeah, it is. And I think what we saw yesterday was, you know, we haven't had many injuries this season. We've been very lucky with injuries. But, you know, both Bradley Johnson and Joe Ledley were out. So we, we saw Fawn and Hudson start together. And I would say, although they did well, obviously we pretty much controlled the game. We, we, we were good with the ball when we had it. I did feel like we looked a little bit immobile in the middle of the park. And a, a better team of maybe a more active midfield could have overran us but we coped well and it just it does, does demonstrate the strength of the squad and it, without a doubt that's going to become more and more important as the, the next few months go on because as we discussed last uh, two weeks ago I don't think any squad really um, stands up to ours in terms of depth in the rest of the championship. It's great that we have managed without Joe Ledley because mm. when he came in we went on that great run didn't we where we didn't lose with him in the team yeah. then he had a game out of the team and we lost. Oh. So the big worry was that he was the linchpin, that he was the missing piece in this jigsaw that held it all together. And when he went out again for a second time, there were a lot of concerns that, you know, how are we going to replace him? Can we keep it up? But Thorne and Huddleston seem to be working okay together so far, yeah. don't they, Tom? Yeah, I think so. Um, the difference between when Ledley was uh, injured the first time and uh, back in November... The difference there was Thorne wasn't fit, whereas I thought Thorne covered a lot of ground yesterday. Um, he worked very hard and won a lot of balls in the midfield, breaking the play up and, and doing the simple thing. Um, he wouldn't have been able to do that two or three months ago, and certainly not for 90 minutes. I can see, touch wood, Thorne should be able to do that for the rest of the season, and he, he's going to be an excellent addition and an important piece of the jigsaw. What's, what's great about uh, Thorne at the moment is, because we're playing so well as a whole team, it's not like there's loads of pressure on him to perform. Like in other seasons, when he's come back from a bad leg injury, all our hopes have been pinned on him, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. When that that isn't the them. case. Like we can, Rowett can has the luxury of taking him in, putting him putting him in, taking him out, and it looks like he is slowly building his fitness up. And he's when he's next door to someone like Tom Hodgson, they they just you know he's a brilliant brilliant player to play alongside. So hopefully we can get the best out of Fawn slowly throughout the season. Yeah. Shout shout out before we move on to what was probably my favourite nearly goal of my Derby supporting lifetime when uh, big Tommy Huddleston put it onto his left about 10 yards out and the goal was gaping Yeah, could have been his first Derby goal for what 15 years and he stuck it straight at the keeper that would have been an, an, an immense moment wouldn't it I mean that guy's just never going to score a goal for Derby is he no <laughs> no it's not going to happen for him Tom I'm sorry Tom 
Just stop shooting, mate. Lay it off. <laughs> and then in three years, in three years, we'll sell him to like I don't know Bristol City or something, and he'll score against us on his debut. Yeah, like that. <laughs> guaranteed. Stick your money on it now. So are you sure that was your favourite ever nearly goal, and not Curtis Davis's bicycle kick? Oh yeah, my second favourite nearly goal. <laughs> that was been quite absolutely close. hilarious, wasn't it? Big Curtis Davis, so confident now that he yeah. just tries overhead kicks in the opposition penalty area. Well, we thought he was Pele. He's even come out and said that. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a fantastic effort, a great bit of athleticism for a big man. Didn't quite come off. <laughs> Maybe next time. I'd like to see him try it again yeah. before the end of the season. Keep going, Curtis. I'm so, I've got your back. <laughs> so those, obviously, a great win for Derby yesterday, where they went back to full strength. Obviously, you know, got a couple of niggly injuries, but mainly just the best team we're going to put out. So, Curtis, do you think that result vindicates the changes that Rowan made against Man United, where Curtis Davis was rested and Vidra didn't come on until 20 minutes to go? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. I think we said at the time that, you know, he can make some changes about dropping the quality too much and, and that's what he did I think he's he's made great selection choices for the last couple of months really and I think Vidra definitely would have benefited from having a bit of time off you know Curtis Davis obviously you know we can bring Pierce in so that was fine you know the team the team looked great uh, great yesterday so yeah you have to say it was vindicated and we all know what the priority is this season the priority wasn't beating Manchester United the priority was making sure we didn't fall off the rails in January we put up a decent enough show against Man United there, didn't we, Tom, I think, really? You know, we yeah. held out until, what, the 83rd minute before Jesse Lingard won the goal, opened the scoring, and then they got the second one from Lukaku when we chucked everyone up to try and get equaliser. Yeah, I think um, I think 2-0 probably flattered us because I thought United were very good. Um, they did also hit the post three times. but Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, I thought United were excellent. It's the best I've seen United for, for quite a while as an attacking force, but I thought we'd, we... We matched them as much as we could. Um, there's obviously differences in quality in, in terms of some of the players there, but I, I was pretty pleased with what Derby did, and I thought we we, we didn't let ourselves down. The, we talked about before when we played higher level teams uh, in cup competitions when I don't think we've we've played as well as we could do, um, and we've we've lost. And on a on that Friday night, I thought we played as well as we could. It's almost like the perf. Obviously, obviously, we'd all have preferred to win. Of course, if you, mm. if you take a you know, if someone offers you a way win at Manchester United in the third round of the FA Cup, you're going to say you want that. Yeah. But it's almost like the perfect um, outcome, really, because we went there, we didn't disgrace ourselves, we showed that we could compete with a, a top Premier League team, but we're out of the cup and no distractions for the rest of the season. When uh, Marcus Olsen is your closest chance to scoring, <laughs> you probably have to wonder whether it's not really going to be your night, don't you? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we will uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of games for Derby. As we said, Bristol City at home this week, then Millwall away, which has been moved due to their commitments in the FA Cup. So after the break, we'll talk to our man from the Bristol Post about what they've made of the Robin season. They're probably the surprise package, you say, in the Championship this season. Got another guess the goal for this episode. Now I just played you last the guess the goal from the last episode. Any guesses as to what you thought it might be? Me and Kutch had a number of guesses between ourselves off air, and we got nowhere near. So I think Kutch knows because I think he's read it on my piece of paper. But. Oh no, I haven't actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. I had, I had no idea. It was, of course, uh, Roy Delap versus Chelsea in nineteen ninety nine two thousand in a three one win. So you'll be pleased to know that uh, Kevin James Wood and Ryan Burton on Twitter came with the right answer on that one, as well as uh, Hucknall Ram on the DCFCFans.uk forum. So we'll play the current guest a goal. All you have to do is just tell us the opponents, the season and the score, and you'll get a little shout out in the next episode. So we'll see you after this. Savage with the early ball in. Try again. Martin's first touch. Lovely turn by Shifka. 
And this is Bailey. Bailey! Oh, what a goal! James Bailey, his first ever goal in his career. Now again. There's Villains. Asanovic. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. So the Rams host Bristol City this Friday night in a crunch game in the championship, uh, second versus fifth as it stands. So to find out the opposition view ahead of the big game, on the phone now we've got Gregor McGregor, a Bristol City reporter for the Bristol Post. Gregor, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Great to have you with us. Um, so City, you know, they're having a great season so far despite the sort of recent blip that they've had since Christmas, uh, fifth in the league with 47 points, whereas this time last season they sat 20th with just 27 points. It seems to us like they, they are the sort of the surprise package in the Championship this season. What's been the what's been the secret to their resurgence, would you say? Obviously get asked this quite a bit, and um, there's sort of two or three factors I would I normally cite. One is that um, when Lee Johnson came in, they kind of, um, recruited young players and players from abroad um, and it's taken most of those guys a bit of time to get acclimatised to the championship and now they're reaping the rewards they also recruited well last summer Steve Lansdowne forked out for a club record transfer fee for a new striker brought in Nathan Baker from Aston Villa and has been superb and then yeah these young guys have just sort of further developed and Lee Johnson's kind of uh, got the dressing room just as he wants it, uh, rooted out a few players that maybe weren't giving him the necessary buy-in. And uh, yeah, it's all coming together pretty nicely at the moment. So we were talking about him in the last episode about City, and um, I'm sure Tom mentioned the fact that Lee Johnson was actually under a bit of pressure last season, wasn't he? It's amazing the turnaround that's happened for the for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, he set a club record run of defeats. There aren't many managers who can survive that. And um, he, he's done really well to basically hang in there. But he's got the backing of Steve Lansdowne. And the thing with uh, Johnson is he's such a great fit for Bristol City. Obviously, a big, um, a, a former player. He knows the area very well. He's got the connections to his dad, who's um, formerly being the manager of Bristol City. He knows the area so well. And, and a lot of ex-players and ex-managers. And he knows Steve Lansdowne very well, the owner. Steve Lansdowne knew the kind of coach that Lee was. And it was going to take time. Um, and basically he's given him that time and yeah as I say it's, uh, it's looking rosy in the garden at the moment So obviously a uh, really, good, really good start to the season for Bristol City but it has kind of dropped off a little bit recently no wins in, in five games in, in all competitions obviously two of those games were against Premier League opposition in the Cup and Wolves as well how much of that form do you think has been down to just being distracted by the Cup Is it, has it had quite a big impact on the, on the league form? Yeah, I think it has, and um, probably should say straight away that now is the best time to play Bristol City because, um, yeah, I, I know Lee Johnson himself believes that uh, basically the, the cup heroics are starting to catch up with the side, and it, essentially teams like Bristol City haven't got the biggest budget and haven't got the best squad. So I think what you've seen over the Christmas and winter period is is some of the teams like Bristol City just fading a little bit, and you can maybe sort of add Cardiff into that and uh, a couple of other teams. And, and yeah, certainly in terms of Bristol City, they, they haven't been able to rotate very much. They Over the Christmas period, they kept most of the same side. Like a lot of clubs, they've had a really, really long injury list and a lot of key players they haven't had their first choice right back 
for most of the season. Um, Callum O'Dowda was just uh, starting to blossom nicely and he's been injured. They've got some experienced campaigners like Gary O'Neill that they would have turned to and uh, he's been out for a long time as well as this club record signing family DG. They have been running on exhausted, I think, for a while now. But you, you can say that um, for a lot of clubs, so um, I don't think that's a huge... But they've, they've brought in a couple of new players in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, as you say, they've had these five defeats in a row, which is unfortunate. It's kind of a, a reason for all of those matches. And if you've actually seen those games, you've seen that Bristol City have been in all of them, even the 5-0 thrashing up against Villa, whereby they had some good chances to get back into that game, didn't take them, and then ended up getting thrashed, just really going for it. And yeah, they, they played the kids in the cup against Watford and would, um, lost there. No shame whatsoever to lose to Manchester City. And then, yeah, they had a really narrow defeat yesterday against Norwich the other one has been against Wolves when they lost in a lot with a pretty much the last kick of the game so uh, yeah we're, we're expecting them to bounce back but that might not be a prime part which might be good news obviously for you guys as an outsider looking in one of the things I really like about Lee Johnson is his honesty and you alluded to the fact that he said the reasons why we're struggling at the moment is because of the injuries and the cut run what do you think for Bristol City going forward would you uh, do you see them uh, competing for the top two alongside maybe Derby or are you thinking playoffs is the uh, the realistic ambition for them I, I think they're going to end up in the playoffs at the moment obviously that second place is up for grabs and I think a lot will depend maybe on what happens on Friday really can they hang on to the coattails of Derby by getting a result uh, up in the Midlands I think the run that City are on at the moment and uh, all the matches they've got um, with the Man City games come next at home then I think they would certainly take a point if that was offered to them but then again they've, they've, they've actually probably excelled against the better sides this season they had a great three all shootout up at Molyneux yeah they played obviously very well at Manchester City have beaten Watford away and a couple of other Premier League teams this season. So, yeah, they they seem to come good maybe when, when you don't expect them to. I don't think they've quite got the squad maybe to um, nab that second place. I think maybe the teams like Villa and Derby with, with a bit more experience in the ranks might that might show come the final reckoning and I think um, Bristol City might have to settle for a playoff spot from what I've seen of City's recent results, that they do sort of look to take the game to teams regardless of the opposition or sort of the context or the score. I mean, I just I sort of look back at the Villa game where a, a friend of mine there told me that even at sort of 2-0 down, City were still going for it rather than maybe try and shut up shop for a few minutes. I mean, do you think going forward they might look to be a bit more sort of pragmatic and, and grind out results a bit more or do you think their general strategy won't really change between now and the end of the season? Yeah, that's, it's a good, that's a good point. They um, they absolutely did get a thrashing up at Villa, basically because they they really went for it, and I think that's born of the season that they've had. They, they've really they've had this great season. They just feel they can beat anyone, so they thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And um, Lee Johnson, after the match, said, yeah, that basically the third and fourth goals were my fault because we we, we switched to like three at the back, threw one Aiden, pushed Aiden Flint up front, and uh, really went for it. And yeah, got there behind-handed to them on a plate and that hasn't really happened at any other times this season so he, he won't change philosophy for um, the Derby game it'll be like when they went up to Sheffield United recently and they'll, they'll play an attacking style they'll, they'll try and press from the front and, and uh, like they did against Man City as well they'll just they'll try and they'll, they'll have a chance and you'll have a chance and they'll basically be whoever wins that shootout Gregor, we couldn't let you go without asking about those uh, those gifts that pop up on the uh, Bristol City Twitter feed. My favourite, see a fire extinguisher one. What's uh, what, what's your personal favourite? Uh, 
Yeah, there's been some good ones. Um, I liked Marlon Pack's one. I don't know if you guys have seen that one where he's ironing. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. The issue I have with that one is that he's ironing on the shirt with the letters still on the shirt. Surely that would like that would cause a minor of problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good spot. It's a good spot. Apparently, it's um, Aidan Flint with the ironing board as well. Gregor, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks ever so much for your time. Enjoyed a trip up to Pride Park on Friday, but uh, but not too much, hopefully. Yeah, thanks, chaps. Good luck for the game. So that was the opposition view on Derby v Bristol City this coming Friday. So as we said, second versus fifth. I mean, Kutch, it does seem to me like our biggest game of the season. You look at local derbies like Forest and that sort of thing, but I can't really think of another sort of crunch game that's meant so much. Maybe Villa? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good opportunity, as, as they said, to either... Uh, pull us in closer or us to kind of put another three points ahead of ahead of City so I think these games are really important right now as we start as that top six seems to take more shape and shake up a little bit more so a really really important game again I don't think it'll be the end of the world if we were to not win it um, but you know great opportunity to put another three points on a, on a promotion rival What I worry about Tom is that I went to the uh, the game at Ashton Gate earlier in the season where Derby got turned over 4-1 and um, I thought when Keogh's exposed to pace he does struggle sometimes, and he um, there were times when he couldn't really handle Bobby Reed, uh, which I guess I'll be I guess I'll be wary yeah. of. But if we can stop him and be wary of that, I think we've got a decent chance. Yeah, I think so. Um, Bobby Reed isn't a natural centre forward; he's been sort of transformed there because of injury problems that City have had this year. Um, but he's done fantastically; he's scored what twelve or thirteen goals this season so far. So um, he's got a lot of pace. So I do think that they they do press up, press high up. They do play a very sort of quick, slick attacking football. Um, they will be a threat on Friday, and it wouldn't surprise me if they they came and and scored against us. Um, but I'm still hopeful that we will will come out on top at the end. There's no way it's going to be a nil-nil, surely. We probably will now, and I've said that. But do you think Kutch maybe the style that Bristol City uh, that that Gregor talks about there, Bristol City style of always sort of going for it, never really sitting back and shutting up shop and being pragmatic? Could that sort of play into Derby's hands, given that our style is to sort of soak up pressure and then hit teams on the break? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But it obviously didn't work that work out that way when we went there earlier in the year. But I definitely think it it could work in our favour. They have got, I think they've got the worst defensive record in the top ten. I think I, I read that uh, earlier or, or found that out. Um, so you know that should be encouraging to us. Uh, and if they are, but you know, Reading did a high press against us, and that's when we fell apart. You know, at Pride Park uh, this season, that was our worst performance of the season. So yeah, it could. I think they could go either way. But I'm sure. Gary Rowett, he, as I said, he seems like he's thinking about games. He's got tactical plans for each game. He will have learnt from what happened down there uh, earlier this season and hopefully come up with a plan that can see us through. As I said, as you talked about earlier, I've definitely got my excited hat on, I think, very positively about Derby at the moment. But um, we haven't had that blip yet and we haven't gone through a, a difficult spell where we've not looked like scoring goals. Um, and each time we have made a loss, Bristol City, Reading, which we've just mentioned, we've bounced back straight away. So... Um, it's got, we've got to keep our feet on the firmly placed on the floor, um, on the ground even, and we've got to make sure that we take each game as it comes and not get thinking too far forward or, or reacting too negatively to, to a minor setback. Um, City are going to be a good side. They're going to be up for it on Friday. We've got to match that. Um, and we've got to, if we do match that, we'll win. Um, if we don't, then there's distinct possibility we could we come away with nothing on Friday. It's interesting what you say there, like keeping our feet on the ground, because that seems to me like one thing that Rowett is very good at doing is... Mm, yeah calming the emotions generally among amongst a team well, that helps that we've got so many experienced players who've been there and done that and don't get carried away positively or negatively but do you know what I mean you see him in post-match interviews 
and uh, you know the media will try and chuck things at him like um, you know could this he's starting to think about it could this be our year and he's like no you know take the next games it comes blah 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 and that's important isn't it yeah well, what's interesting from the interview he gave post-match uh, yesterday after Birmingham was uh, and he, he, he wasn't he wasn't prompted to say this but he basically made the point that they're looking at Wolves now he said we're looking at Wolves to catch Wolves that's the, that's the aim I mean, which is obviously I guess logical to say that rather than you don't want to admit you're looking over your shoulder but obviously they feel like you know they're, they're doing well and they can keep they can keep winning games so he is definitely trying to keep our feet on the ground but he's still keeping the experts, he's still keeping the standards high uh, which is why I think that, that should guard against the complacency, as you said. Hopefully, be keeping standards high until the year twenty twenty one, having signed a new long term contract. Uh, We've got Rowett. So, so I heard <laughs> numerous times at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, we were never. You uh, you said this that you were never really worried about him going. Um, I don't think any of us were. Were we? I was never that concerned. Uh, partly because Stoke never actually made an official approach, did they? We, none of us spoke about it uh, on messages, did we? We just didn't even acknowledge it was there. Um, I've got a former colleague who's a Stoke fan, and he texted me and was like, "Oh, you see, you've tied him down to a new contract." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, it's nothing to do with Stoke. Have. Yeah, it's nothing to do with you Next guys. Question. It's to do Move with the on. fact that he's doing brilliantly for us at the moment, and we want to keep him." And I wasn't worried. I wasn't. I mean, it's always. I think, as I said uh, on on TV, um, I just think. I didn't think he was going to go, but we didn't want to have a distraction because we know what you know that whether, whether or not it was a factor or not with McLaren in that in that in uh, when he went to Newcastle in 2015, it, it was hovering over the rest of the season. It was a shadow on the second half. We, we just didn't need that. So to commit to a new contract, you know, no dramas. It didn't really get silly at all. I think it just puts that to bed and it means everyone can just focus on the football. It's, know, it's, it's impressive that Morris acted so quickly and decisively. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's what cost us last time, isn't it? Do you think yeah. he didn't act decisively last time? Is that a problem? And he's learnt from that himself. He's been a lot quieter this year. Than he might have tried, and McLaren might have yeah. not wanted to indulge it. And also, it was the wheels were kind of falling off a little bit. So he wouldn't have wanted to give McLaren a, a big contract probably yeah. at that point. I mean, they, the club have said that they were already in negotiations anyway. So maybe he wasn't reacting. Maybe it just they just got it through quicker because. Um, they wanted to put it to bed which was definitely the right thing to do but you know, I think he deserves a new contract I'm happy for managers to have long contracts you know, Mel Morris hasn't got a problem with paying people off if he wants to sack them so I, I think I think it's just good news all round and it just shuts everyone up and we can concentrate on football As somebody else said at the time like Rowett would have been down to the last year in his contract in the summer anyway yeah. so it would have been in the best interest to time down regardless of the circumstances but we're all pretty pleased that he's now staying Speaking of this month Obviously, we're in the January transfer window and the uh, rumour mill is in full swing. An interesting couple of ins and outs, potentially. And we'll talk about the outs first because Rowett said, as we've discussed, that uh, we're not going to get anyone in until we shift some of the uh, some of the squad players out. Uh, Darren Bent to Burton? What do you reckon to that one, Kutch? Well, I, I can't imagine they'll be able to contribute much of his extensive wage packet. Uh, so if, if they can strike a deal there, he needs to get some football. It's local. Do you reckon I'll pay for some of his trainers? He loves the trainer pay for, pay for a couple of new pairs of trainers, perhaps. Um, I mean, it'd be good for... I'm sure it'd be good for, for Burton, you know, proven goal scorer. They need scorer. a goal scorer, don't they? They need a goal scorer. Um, and if they give us 10% of his wages, then I'm sure it's a deal yeah. that it works for everyone. He's not going to get a look in, is he? Um, no. Not ahead of any of the four strikers we've got there. Um, even if we were to sell somebody, I still don't think... Ben is, is really in there and a and you, real, real and you, option and you know what I, I'm not sure if it, if it works if you could have a recall clause in there but you know why not send him to another championship club get him some matches get him scoring some goals and if we do have some kind of striker crisis later in the season you've got yeah. someone ready to call back hopefully yeah. scoring goals against some of our rivals maybe because yeah, obviously course. Burton aren't going to be 
arrival. And I think, to be honest, if they put down a like a loan to the rest of the season with a view to a permanent, I reckon we'd probably take that. I think. Is there a bent out of contract this um, this uh, summer? No, he signed a new contract uh, maybe a year ago. I thought it was a tr- an extension because he played a certain oh. amount of games. Right? Yeah. So I might... thought it was just a one year extension. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure of his contract situation, but a more interesting one is potentially Chris Martin to Reading. Tom, what do you think about that one? Well, 18 months ago, I was devastated when he left to go to Fulham on loan, and now I wouldn't be too bothered. I don't think it's a would be a bad move for for him getting some games. The fee would have to be right because I, I think Reading are a decent team and they haven't had a great season so far. But I, I do view that as a, a, a potential rival there. So, um, if it was to be a permanent in January, the fee would have to be very good. Um, if if we were to go up, I wouldn't mind selling him to a team like Reading. Well, there's a difference between selling him if we go up and selling him when we're still trying to go up. Yeah. And I think the problem for Martin is that he's not going to want to be a, a third choice or a fourth choice striker, is he? Depending on which way you, you view the striking setup. He made a, he made a good contribution when he came on yesterday. He obviously, did. he yeah. set he put a Nugent through, I think, for when he set up Feynman. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, is, is he going to be happy doing that? And no, he's, that, he's not, is he? you wouldn't have thought so. But he's on quite a big wage, so maybe he's fine doing that at the moment. And Gary Rout seems to be keeping a harmonious squad together. The other thing I'd say about that, if it was to be a loan deal similar to Ben, I think unlike the Fulham loan, you make sure that the it ends before the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not going to be, be playing the playoffs already in any way. So again... It's unlikely, isn't it? Yeah, bolster the, uh, bolster the ranks if we do end up in the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if he left, but if he did leave, I would like us to, to have a look at somebody like a young... A prospect perhaps on loan from uh, Premier League side or maybe one of the younger prospects and I haven't got any targets in mind for this uh, but maybe from the lower leagues to see if we can try and okay. get someone some experience as Patrick, a, Patrick Bamford sort of a sort of a figure yeah and then it's then there's someone there who's either of good quality or good potential that if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't matter because it's a short term or a bit of an investment I don't want us to be bringing in other people who are on big wages just because we sold Chris Martin I don't think we need that we've got three good strikers there if, one, if Martin wants to go one player who isn't a young championship striker is Cameron Jerome, um, which is a <laughs> bizarre one, isn't it? I, I mean, I'm only mentioning it because it came from a you know a, a reputable source at the Telegraph who, who John Percy doesn't get that many things wrong, or there's usually sort of no smoke about fire, if you know what I mean. Um, but I can't see him being the answer, can you? Coach? Well, I don't know why you'd unless you're selling Chris Martin, and even then you're just bringing in another fourth choice striker, right? It's not an improvement, I don't think. No, yeah. absolutely not. It's not an improvement on any of the four we've got. He's he's what it was one point five to two million, which is a reasonable amount of money. He's thirty two years old. He relies on pace. Uh, he's not playing for Norwich very often. So why would we be interested in him uh, if he's not playing for Norwich and Norwich aren't doing very well? Then clearly he's not good enough for a team that is doing well and scoring tons of goals. Same bracket for Nelson Oliveira, which is another one that popped up. But I'm not going to read too much into that one because it's come from a source that I don't particularly have much uh, much faith in. Um, He's got a respectable record from Norwich, hasn't he? But again, a like for like, really. And I want a massive fee for him, a, yeah. a fee which I don't think we're going to be prepared to pay at this stage. No. No. And I, he I, paid for Forrest as well, didn't he? Yeah, um, we'll probably buy him despite that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just don't think, I think Tom's right. I think if you sell if you sell Chris Martin or loan him out or whatever, I think the better, you're really only going to bring in a, another, a new fourth choice striker, essentially, I would have thought. Because mm. um, I think we're quite happy with Nugent, Winnell and, and, and Vidra. Um, so why not make it a, you know an investment in a, in, a, in a younger talent from lower leagues or, or a loan from a Premier League team? I think that would be the more obvious way to go because it's someone you can probably keep 
happy easily if you bring in another experienced player to be fourth choice then you've got the same not problem but you've got the same situation as, as, as you have got Chris Martin nothing's really changing is it that's, no, I no. Think that's what made that one so bizarre uh, just on Winnell um, he's obviously a bit of a fan's favourite I do enjoy the chant that we've got uh, got for him it's very uh, punchy shall we say um, would you sign him in the summer if the option was there I think he guarantees you he looks like he guarantees you goals whenever he plays and he comes alive and, the, and those players are always useful and I think if we were whatever division we were in next season I think that would always be useful I can't see him ever being the way he plays I can't actually ever see him being uh, a, a constant starter for a whole season for for us because I just don't think he offers enough outside the box like yesterday I didn't really feel like he contributed that much so the, the running of the anonymous. channels that uh, Nugent does like, he won a corner within like two or three minutes of him coming on purely because he ran the channels and yeah. then shut down the defenders whereas Winnell's not quite like that he's, he's not very fast Winnell either no very slow acceleration well he runs around more than uh, he covers more ground than Martin but, yeah. not as, but not as much as Nugent Yeah, and he is a target man but doesn't quite win those flick-ons in the same way as Martin so he's a bit of a sort of a jack-of-all-trades striker really isn't he yeah and he comes alive in the box obviously Yeah, he can finish he can. That's it for now. Let's move on to the uh, the most thrilling part of this of this podcast. I won't show you my phone. No, it's who ram I number twelve of the season, where Tom and Richard have to guess the Derby County player I give them from a series of clues. Uh, Tom's currently leading seven four. So this week's this episode's clue, which I gave you at the start of the podcast, is I played fifty nine times for Derby County between nineteen ninety five. And 1998. Richard. That's, that's just Richard. Yeah. Christian Daly. Mm, good one. Christian Daly is incorrect. Oh, I think he was still at Derby the year after. So my guess here was Robin van der Laan. Robin van der Laan is incorrect. Oh. Clue number two. Gosh. I scored 13 1 3 goals. Tom. Ron Willems. Ron Willems. Hmm. Is the correct answer? Oh. Yes, <laughs> that was going to be my first one. I thought, oh, Robin van der Laan. I just think yes. Tom, he, Tom's just a bit more instinctive. He could just he could just jump in there. Ron Williams wasn't one that popped into my head. Van der Laan was also one that popped yeah. into my head, and actually Gary Rowett was one. Gary Rowett until he said well. thirteen goals. Obviously, yeah. I almost said Gary Rowett, not Christian Daly. So I could have had Igor Stimach because I wasn't sure when he left because he certainly joined in '95. It was November when we played Tranmere was his debut and we lost and he scored. Did Ron Williams score most of goals in Championship? Yeah, penalties, wasn't it? He was almost all of them. What you need to do, Kutch, is start saying your name even when you don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just gamble. Just, just put yourself in. Ron there. Williams wasn't popping into my head no. uh, today. Maybe later. What Fair were enough. your other clues there, Chris? Um, I'm Dutch. <laughs> so, but what were your clues? Though? I've got a big nose. Um, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't very fast. Who did we um, uh, sign from? Um, and what from happened to him afterwards? Grasshopper Zurich. A classic. Do you know what? His, his Wikipedia just sort of ends in 1998. Although he had been playing since 1983, so that's a fairly mm. lengthy career. Was he quite old then? He must have been when he joined us. I remember him being in my in my football league sticker book in the 95 yeah. season. Well, that's enough for this episode. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, as usual, after, uh, let's see, Millwall, after Millwall yeah. and before the February fixtures. So in the meantime, please do get in touch. We do appreciate the uh, contact we have from people who listen to the podcast. Uh, you can email us, stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook, and we're also on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. So uh, drop us a line, have a have a go at guess a goal, and you, you never know, you might get your name up in lights or on this podcast in a future episode. But in the meantime, Richard, cheers for your time. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks a lot as always. Thanks very much. See you again soon.